Simple Life Together, Episode 12, Sun Tzu and the Art of Inbox Warfare and How to Organize Any Space. Hi, and welcome to Simple Life Together, a podcast dedicated to leading a simpler life in the modern world. I'm Dan Hayes. And I'm Vanessa Hayes. Welcome back to Simple Life Together. On the last show, we had a great talk with Joshua Becker of Becoming Minimalist. Dan talked about lures at the 2013 Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, and I reviewed a blog post from theunitive.com. Today, Dan will be talking about taking control of your email, and I'll share some tips on how to organize any space. All right, so let's get started. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about something that I certainly struggle with from time to time, and you probably do too, uh, dealing with emails and your inbox. Now, I know we have a few listeners out there who've been struggling with this lately because I've seen their posts on Facebook and Google+, and you have too, haven't you? Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd take some time to give you some tips on how you can declare war on your inbox clutter and reclaim the calm to this part of your digital life. All right, let's see. So the key to email management is the same as it is to physical things in your simple life. Limit what you allow into your life. And you say that all the time, don't you? Yes, I do. If your inbox is full of messages that don't add value to your life, eliminate them now and put systems into place to eliminate them permanently. But first, let's look at the question, why do we get so much junk? So just like you get a lot of junk mail in the mail at home, You get a lot of junk mail in your inbox, too. Oh, yeah. So sometimes it's just that your email was on a subscriber list that was sold to some marketers, but it's also affected by what type of things that you sign up for. So if you really want to cut down on junk email, be a bit more careful about who you give your email address to. Signing up for every little contest or offering that comes along is kind of like saying, please spam me. Or like at the department stores or where they always ask for your phone number or your email. Yeah, all those little contests. Yeah. Hey, drop, no. you know, drop, fill out this little card mm-hmm. to get, you know, win a free year's well, gym membership. You, no, even when you purchase stuff at the store, they'll say, okay, can I get your address, your right. email address? And I'm like, I just say, no, thank you. Yep. I don't like to give it out. Well, you know what? We're going to get to that in a moment. Okay, good. You need to get over what's called the FOMO or fear of missing out. Yeah, there's a lot of good info out there, but there's a lot of junk info too. And bringing more junk information into your life doesn't make your life any better, and it certainly doesn't make it any more simple. All it does is make it more cluttered and more hectic. And trust me, you're not missing out. So here are some steps that you can take to shape a more simple email experience. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. All right, the first one is to unsubscribe from newsletters, feeds, updates, lists, and other streams that don't truly enrich your life. And yes, that includes our show too, if it doesn't add any value to you. If the source of the emails is reputable, it should include an unsubscribe link in the email. I hope we have that, right? Oh, no, nah, we didn't put it on ours. No, no, yeah, of course we do. Yeah, right. we sure do. It's, there's an unsubscribe link right at You're the You're in bottom. charge of that. I am. So, But if there is no unsubscribe link, you shouldn't be at all uncomfortable about marking the message as spam. There you go. You know, I'm a huge Gmail fan, and Gmail has a built-in function that marks the message as spam and automatically attempts to unsubscribe you from the sender's list. There's this, uh, if, you look at, if you're looking at your inbox, right? Okay. There's this little stop sign shaped icon with an exclamation point inside in your inbox panel. That's the mark is spam button. You just click that and Gmail will mark that message as spam and attempt to unsubscribe you from the senders list. So I've had pretty good success with this new function. It really makes a, you know, a one-click process. Okay, now, so that's if you want to mark something as spam yourself, but does Gmail automatically mark some things as spam yeah, yeah. On, their, on its own? Yeah, Gmail has a fantastic spam filter, and it's automatically built in. And what they kind of do is they use some kind of algorithm that looks at all these messages that are going out, mm-hmm. and they kind of discern whether it's spam or not. But some, in some cases, you know, valid emails... That's why you got to check your spam box from time to time. Right. And Dan just recently was telling me this. And so I started checking my spam folder at least once a week or um, as a last resort, if I'm not using the search function to find an email that I either was waiting for or expecting something to come in and I haven't seen it in the inbox, um, I've made a practice of checking my spam folder just in case. Right. That's a good practice. Once a week is probably plenty. Okay. I check it from time to time and apparently I'm missing out on an awful lot of different pharmaceuticals that can pants me anatomically. (laughs) So... Who knew? I'm getting those too. I think, <laughs> right, I'm getting right. those too. I think there's like a gender confusion here because I don't yeah, need those. I don't yeah. need those. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. Uh, anyway, uh, another way, family show, family, family show. show, let's keep it that way. <laughs> another way to deal with unwanted emails is by using filters, which I just talked about a little bit. Most email programs allow you to set up filters to weed out messages based on your inputs. 
And again, Gmail wins the prize here as well, in my opinion. And candidly, I have lots of different email addresses for, you know, for our different businesses. And I wish it wasn't that way, but it really is. But still, they all come to one place, my Gmail inbox. Mm -hmm. I've got two. I just have two um, different email addresses, but they all come to my Gmail inbox. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I mean, you've got one place to go to manage all your stuff. Like I always say, one-stop shopping. Yeah. Keep it simple. Well, (laughs) speaking of filters, I have exactly 160 filters in place to manage my email. No, I I have no idea. Is that simple or not? For me, it is. In the end state, it's very simple for me. Wow. And I didn't, it's not like I did them all at once, and I'll okay, get to that yeah. in a second. But uh, they help me manage my email, wow. not just deal with the spam. It really wow. helps me manage them. And I'm going to talk a little bit about more about that in a second. So some of these filters tag incoming emails so that they go directly to the right folder. Or in Gmail, they're called labels, and mm-hmm. I'll remind you that as a couple of times as we're going through. Others send inbound messages directly to the trash. So it's kind of like a spam, but uh, you know, if, if if you get something that that you can't unsubscribe to, or um, you know, what oh. have you, you can automatically just send it to the trash. If you just don't need to get it, it skips your inbox. You never see it; it goes right to your trash. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but that helps me because there's one that I get, and I swear I cannot figure out how to unsubscribe yep. from this thing. And it's and but I have tried like three times to unsubscribe, and yeah. it just it is it's. It's Greek to me. I can't understand how yeah. to get it done. So. Well, I'll show you how to set that up. Okay, cool. Thank you. Sorry. No, it's good. It's good. So you can easily set up filters in the settings area of your Gmail account, or if you have an email message open in Gmail, you just click the more button, which is kind of on the top right of your email inbox area. It says more, and there's usually a little down arrow. You click that down arrow, you'll get a, a drop-down menu. It, it'll say, there's a message there that says, filter messages like these. So you click that, and then you can set up a new filter, and you just follow oh, the sweet. prompts. It's pretty easy. Sweet. Now, I certainly didn't set up all 160 at one time. I didn't even know I had 160 <laughs> in prep for <laughs> this lot. show. I said, well, I'm going to count how many I have. And I honestly, I guessed about you know 50 or 60. And when I got over 100, I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know. So I- that just tells me that you make that as a matter of habit. Almost yeah, it is, for any, absolutely. It's a matter of ha- You know, you set up five or six or 10 at the beginning, and they're wow. e- they take seconds to set up. And then the rest of them are just kind of a matter of course. Like any receipt, anything that comes in from PayPal, uh-huh. I have marked for taxes, and it automatically gets a taxes label. Oh, you know, I all these different subjects, it automatically labels them to go to the appropriate label area, um, or what would be called folders in some email systems. Smart. Yeah. Smart guy. <laughs> but just set up, like I said, set up a few initially, get the feel of it, how it works, and then you set them as needed, and that's probably the best course of action. Okay, so I know you told us how to do it here Verbally, but um, I would bet there's probably a YouTube or some uh, kind yeah. of you know program. You could just do search how to create filters. Yeah, absolutely. In just yeah, how to do filters in Gmail, and you'll be good to go. Very cool. So that covers stopping that initial avalanche of inbound emails that you probably have in your inbox. So we're going to take care of getting the, that mass of emails out initially, and then we're going to go over some skills to use to maintain. Okay. Okay. Cool. Here's how to handle what you have now in your inbox in three steps. The first one is go through your emails and just pick the dozen or so in your inbox that have to be handled right now to avoid like an emergency or overcharges, severe embarrassment or, you know, divorce, Mm -hmm. you know, messing up a close relationship or whatever. And just deal with those now. And just doing that one little step will leave you feeling a whole heck of a lot better. That's a good idea. And then the second is you're going to take the rest of those not-so-urgent emails, and I know for some people that's hundreds or, or thousands in some cases, and just put them in a temporary folder, or if you're in Gmail, a temporary label, and you're going to deal with those later. Hmm. All right, and the re- This does two things, really. The first thing it does is it, it gets what appears to be a major obstacle, that major stumbling block or barrier to progress out of the way. All right? And second, it allows you to set up a whole new system and develop new habits and new systems for that system, okay? You know, and this is actually how we deal with, because this is kind of like, it's digital just, paper clutter. Yeah, it's this just like I, organizing. It's how I deal with paper clutter with my clients. I say, okay, let's tackle the most important pressing things right now. What is the current papers that you are dealing with right now? This other stuff that's been waiting, sitting there for three, four months, maybe even a year or years, that can wait. Let's right. just put that aside. Yep. It's probably not as urgent right now. And so, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Very cool. So, number three, I said there was three steps. Uh, number three, um, we're going to actually kind of come back to, but in a minute, I'm going to share these new habits and skills with you, and you're going to apply these new habits and skills that I'm going to talk with you about. 
and you're going to come back and you're going to tackle that temporary folder that had all those old emails in right. it, okay? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do it in one sitting. If you have so many that you can't do it in one sitting, set a timer for 15 or 20 minutes or half an hour, whatever time you have available, and just go to battle on those things. And then if it's going to take a lot of different sessions, make time in your schedule and just uh, keep at it until you've dealt with them all. But, and this is huge, do not get focused on dealing with the old emails before you develop good habits for your inbox. You right. have to maintain that, right. that, that nice, new, clear inbox. Right. All right? Now that you've uh, kindly got all uh, you know, the squatters that were living there. Oh, you know, like, like Occupy Your Inbox Squatter? Yeah, like, like <laughs> Occupy Inbox Squatter. There you go. You, now that you got rid of all of them. All right, it's, it's time to move on and, and kind of develop those new habits. And, and so here's a few things that you can do to really master a solid email routine. The first one is don't overdo the folders or labels. All right, a lot of people have this habit of just developing 20 or 30 or 40 different folders. I used to. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? You need to just keep it simple and trust the search function mm-hmm. in your email system. And of course, Gmail is great for this. Uh, Gmail is a Google product. And if there's one thing that Google does do right, it, it simply excels at search. So set up a few folders, again, in Gmail, they're called labels, that match the major areas of your life, such as work, family, home, you know, your hobbies and passions, whatever they could be or mm-hmm. whatever, and then taxes. And then just use the archive function for the rest. So let's say I have a label set up for podcasting. Obviously, since podcasting is a passion of mine, I can set up a filter that recognizes the word podcasting in any inbound email that comes in. And the filter will automatically apply the label podcasting to the message. And that's not just in the subject line. It could be anywhere in the message. You can do it by the subject line or anywhere in the message. You Mm -hmm. could set filters up by who sent it, you you name it. So it'll automatically label that new inbound email. So I I could take it further and have it automatically archive that message too if I wanted to. But if I don't want to automatically archive it, I can just simply set up a filter and it labels the message as it comes into my inbox. And when I read the message in my inbox, then all I have to do is click archive when I'm done and that message will automatically disappear into that archive folder labeled Mm -hmm. podcasting. Simple as that. All right. So... That's the big thing. Trust the search function is a, a major header. I really want to kind of footstomp that. If I ever need to retrieve that message, all I have to do is click on the label in Gmail, Mark Podcasting, and every email that has been archived with the label podcasting will be there. If I even recall something specific or unique in, in the text of the message, I can always just search for that text in the Gmail search bar. Nice. So the search function is just not going to let you down. Yeah, I'm starting right. to rely on that a little bit more because and you've been telling me and telling me about it, and I and I would use it occasionally, but now it's almost every time I'm using that now, just because it's just so much easier. Yeah, it is. Then I mean, I do have my this set labels that I absolutely need labels or folders, but I absolutely need those to separate my client information. But after that, it's just I'm searching, archiving. Right. And, I mean, awesome. if you think about it, when um, how have you really done that in the past? A lot of people say, well who sent me that email and they'll search by the person who sent it, mm-hmm. right? Or what was that email? What was the title of that email? And then they're trying to think about it. And they, well, with Gmail, all you have to do is put in a little part of a, right. and, and it'll bring up every message that has that in it. Yeah, it's so much you know, easier. I know it's a, a side note, but I do the same thing with Evernote. Evernote. I max yep. out the search function there too. Mm-hmm. So, all right. The next step is delete it when you're done. If you finished reading an email and you have no reason to keep it, then just delete it right away. If it's important, put it in the appropriate folder or label. You know, just like paper files, the goal here is to touch it once. Now, you can keep things and just put them in an archive folder if you want. I, I Honestly, I archive a lot of stuff in Gmail, unless I'm 100% sure that I won't need it. Right. I just archive it. Okay, but isn't there, is there space issues with that? No, no. Gmail has so much. I've never heard of anybody maxing out their Gmail. Now, we do pay for extra storage, but that's for mostly for what we do in Google Docs. Okay, right. But that includes Gmail. So... Yeah, I don't think you'd ever have, I mean, unless you just get thousands and thousands of emails a day, uh, I don't think you'd have a, an <laughs> okay. opportunity to max Now, out. wait, so, so then it's not an issue about dumping your trash either? I mean, does that get too well, full yeah, at some you, point? You, you should dump empty? your trash and, and your spam automatically deletes, but you know, I think you do the same thing. I go in there probably once a week when I'm checking for to mm-hmm. see if I missed anything, and then I just, uh, there's a little... You know, delete all messages now, all yes, spam now. Yes, like I delete all, yes. Just because I don't like that big number there of the thousands of, you know. I'll, you <laughs> that's know. my OCD. I'm like, that's just too much. I'm going to get it down to zero. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, cool. So you also need to just limit your access. 
And this one takes a lot of getting used to. And what I mean by that is limit your access to email, period. If you're trying to wean yourself off Mm -hmm. of it. Now, especially if you have a reputation for always being available, digitally, of course, right? (laughs) You know, you have to set your own terms on checking your email. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mentioned Tim Ferriss all the time from his book, uh, The 4-Hour Workweek. I mentioned that quite a few times. And one of the things he mentions in there is, not to check your email first thing in the morning and only check it periodically throughout the day. If I recall, he recommends checking it twice a day initially as you're weaning yourself off of it. And now this could be a stretch for some people. You know, I know some people just, they have that habit of constantly looking for emails as they Mm -hmm. come in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I call these people digital first responders, right? You know, (laughs) so if you're a digital first responder type and you like rush to the scene with sirens blazing and your lights flashing every time an email notification comes in, or, you know, you constantly look for email notifications sent to your phone and you always check it. Or if you feel completely naked when you leave the house and you forgot your phone, this could be a tough one for you. Yeah, it's like being an addict, man. You just can't, you got to say checking, 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 checking. Yeah. Jeez. And, uh, and only you know how to tackle this one. You know, some people go cold turkey on it. Some people do it a little bit at a time. You know me, I'm, I don't like to dip my toe in the cold pool. I just like to jump in. I'm a <laughs> just no it. guts, no glory guy. <laughs> go know? for it all the way. <laughs> so, but hey, whatever works for you, works for you. But it, it's going to take a little while. Well, Use it as a little experiment. And there's a lot of professional organizers and productivity coaches out there that do recommend this as well. Um, they They just recommend just to... First, they, they don't recommend checking it right away, like you say. But um, but if you do, that's fine. But they just say limit it, like you said, to two or three times a day. That's it. And I've actually been really working on that, trying not to, to check it as much. Because honestly, you know, even for, as a business person, you know, it just seems like if, if you're making yourself available, they're, they're going to call you even more and contact you even more. And you're going to get more emails and this and that. So Right. And the, I guess the the theory behind not checking, I personally, I do check mine first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. But the theory behind not checking it first thing in the morning is that if you have all these disparate emails in there, there say they're in five different subjects, and you have a tendency to be the first responder type and answer right away, you've automatically thrown out any goals that you set for yourself for the day. And, and you let other people, based on an email, exactly. set your agenda for you. Mm-hmm. So unless you can control that, then you, know, you may not want to check it first thing in the morning. So here's something that does go along with that. If you are one of these people who responds real quick, you need to start setting expectations for those that you correspond with. If they're used to getting an immediate response and all of a sudden they're not, there's going to be some questions. So set up an autoresponder that you know, the, the signature or whatever, the auto response, the vacation message that automatically goes out on your emails, set one of those and say, Hey, I'm only checking my emails twice a day. And if it's an emergency, please call my cell. Oh, that's nice. It's like yeah. a little courtesy. Sure. And there's no need to give out your cell number as the people who are close to you probably already have it. Right. You know, and the, the guy with the insurance quote on the email is, you know, obviously doesn't have your cell. And if you give it to him, then that's the last thing you want. So if your goal is really, really to cut back on email, then you need to start sending fewer emails yourself Mm -hmm. and write your emails to elicit complete responses versus a volley of emails going Uh, back and forth. Yeah, kind of like when we're talking about the sender message receiver feedback. Yeah, and episode 10, exactly. Yeah, and you're talking about just being very specific about what you're talking about, what you want, what you need. Sure. Yeah, so let me give you a for instance. Okay. So uh, you're setting up an appointment. Instead of asking, when are you available?, all right, because that automatically elicits, elicits a response, you know, and it's not based on what your calendar is. So state in your email, I can meet Monday morning between 9 and 11 mm-hmm. or Tuesday between 2 and 4.15. If neither of those times work for you, please send me three options for Wednesday through Friday in the morning after 9, but before 4.15. Uh, nice. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's real concise. So that's a kind of, you know, like a two-stroke email. Boom, that's it. And you're done. That's good. The next thing is try to keep your messages simple, short sentences and three to four sentences at most if possible. And if this is one of those, hey, just just writing to catch up types of emails, you may want to shift your tactics a little bit and try just doing that over a phone call or a Skype call or maybe FaceTime or something like that might be more productive. (laughs) Now, sometimes I, you know, because I like details and so I tend to get long winded on the details. But what I've start to do now is, is I will be specific on here's what this message is about. This is what I'm going to need. You know, I try to get that right in the first paragraph, right. yep. uh, the first couple of sentences. And then if there's more detail, 
to explain it, I'll say, okay, see details below. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. In the military, we called that bluff, bottom line up front, at least in my circles. <laughs> There's those circles again. I don't yeah. know. You had different yeah. circles. I had than me. cool circles. <laughs> all right. So, all right. If so, you say so. <laughs> the next thing is your inbox should not be your to do list. Again, process everything that comes in with the goal of touching it once. If it's a to do, use the task list in Gmail along with your Google Calendar or Evernote or the Reminders function on your Mac or or some other task management system. Just don't use your email as a to-do list. Right. And I always say, and actually I'm going to talk about this later, is that if you have a to-do, it's nothing unless you attach it to a calendar date and event. Right. It's it's just going to be just words on a paper or just words that you've written there. And uh, Yeah, but, it's not a task. Yeah, good luck in getting it done. You right. have to actually hold yourself accountable for it. And usually that's um, married with a calendar appointment. Exactly. So another thing is, if you're really trying to cut back, avoid sending emails at all if you can. If you're having problems with too many emails, why continue to add to it? Find ways to cut down on them altogether on the ones you send. And also, you know, that'll help other people get rid of the clutter in their inbox mm-hmm. too. So you're doing them a favor. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so make no mistake, managing your inbox is a continuous battle. So I'm going to kind of recap this in combat terms. Like, you know, we used to right. use like the principles of war, uh-huh. you know, that... Oh, were... Let me just tell you, I'm sorry, but you did this all the time. He just... <laughs> Well, you did 27 years I, in the yeah, military. Yeah, this is my life. I only, yeah. did, only did nine, but it's hilarious because he'll start talking in terms. And, and I should know this because we were both instructors together, but I start cracking up because I'm like, I don't remember that. But I actually liked it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Anyway, it's funny. So I'm just laughing because... But all that stuff is so valuable. It is. A lot of it really is cool. But, yeah. <laughs> but this will be interesting. <laughs> all right. So principles of war, basically they were compiled from like, Guys like Sun Tzu, Sun Tzu. and Clausewitz mm-hmm. and Machiavelli and, you know, other real smart dead guys. But <laughs> You and your smart dead guys. Yeah, I'm going to give you a principle of war, a short definition, and like a simple military example, and then finally an email example that you can apply right now to your inbox. Very all right? cool. So in no particular so order. So you didn't know you are getting military training, folks, but you are. You're going right, to get some military, right, yeah. <laughs> military training yeah. here. So in no particular order, here we go. So the first one is objective. And objective is, uh, the principle is kind of defined like this. Directing every operation toward a clearly defined, decisive, and obtainable objective or goal. A simple military example is take that hill and hold it. Mm. All right. So, but for your email, objective isn't really inbox zero as you hear. How many times have you heard that? (laughs) A lot of different systems, you know, say the goal is inbox zero. That's not the goal. That's just a likely result of good email management. Your objective is effective communication. And your inbox is one tool for that. Mm, okay. All right. So don't beat yourself up if you have a couple of untouched emails in your inbox until you're ready to deal with them. You know, and if that's tomorrow at two o'clock, that's tomorrow at two o'clock. That's good. I like the way you think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some people go to bed feeling guilty at night because they have, still have unread emails in their inbox. Don't worry about it. You deal that with it when on your terms. There you go. So you focus on the effective communication aspect. The next principle is offensive. Seize, retain, and exploit the initiative. So a simple example is attack. Just like in sports, or defense is great, but you have to take action to win. Right. You got to seize control of your inbox, your folders and labels and your email systems, and capitalize on your momentum to maintain the offensive. So don't let that inbox get out of hand. There you go. The next one is mass. In military operations, commanders strive to mass the effects of overwhelming combat power at the decisive place and time. They can't have it all there all the time. So commanders have many different weapon systems at their disposal. They might have air assets or land assets or sea assets, and they bring them all together at decisive places and times to defeat the enemy. That's mass. For your email systems, that means batch your tasks. We talk about batching tasks a lot here because it works. Any interruptions to the task task kills your momentum. And that's the offense. That's the the momentum that you gain in the offensive that wastes your time. Right. And so, and I talk about batching tasks all the time with my clients, you know, like for example, errands, try to batch your errands together. If you have to do some grocery shopping, or maybe you have to mail some stuff at the post office, pick up some dry cleaning and maybe pick up a textbook or something. Right. Try to do this at the same time, instead of doing one, coming back, doing something else at home, having to take off because you're wasting resources. uh, You're wasting your time. You're wasting fuel and and just effort. So, and some of those, some of those, it's intuitive. We do it intuitively. Right. Like you don't wash your clothes. One thing, and if you don't wear something, wear a shirt, throw it in the washing machine. Right. You know, you wait until it's all all going to wash it at once, or you don't go shopping for one item at a time. 
you go shopping and you buy everything on your right. list, right? Well, and I tell them too, the bachelor test too, you know, if they can have one time where they can just do their bills at one time, exactly. do it, you know, that once or twice a month or once a week, whatever it is, do it like that. So yeah, there's plenty of examples or phone calls like at work for my business clients, you know, they're constantly letting the phone dictate their time. They're answering the, the phone every time it rings. But I say, well, why don't you have certain hours where you return? You, you have phone calls that are coming in. That's what the voicemail system's for. Then set some time aside to answer those. Spend an hour or two in your day or whatnot and say, okay, this is when I'm right. going to return my phone calls, your batching tasks. Right. And it actually relates to the next one, which is economy of force. Economy of force is defined as employ all combat power available in the most effective way possible. Allocate minimum essential combat power to secondary efforts. So in war, just like in life, assets are, are finite. And you can't use all the tools in your toolkit at once when a lesser tool can accomplish a task. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, uh, you know, you have your, your car. You don't get into your car, start your car, back up your car, go to the end of your driveway, stop your car, get out, pick up your mail, and then drive back home. You don't use your car to go 40 feet. Right, that's ridiculous. Uh, or most people don't, or if they do, they shouldn't, right? All right that's just a waste of that, that tool. Well, your personal effort is your combat power when dealing with your inbox. You want to maximize the use of automated systems, such as the filters that we talked about, and minimize your personal effort. So you're maximizing the effectiveness of the system by using lesser tools for lesser tasks. Nice. Okay. All right. So that's an economy of force thing. The next principle is maneuver. You want to place the enemy in a position of disadvantage through the flexible application of combat power. This is essentially lining up your shot. Again, filters can go a long way with maneuver. But thinking of your folders or labels in Gmail as a way to compartmentalize your info so you can focus your shot or line up your shot on your inbox, and that's where your attention needs to be. Mm -hmm. All right, so you're getting certain things out of the way so you can focus on that main objective. The next principle of war is unity of command. For every objective, you need to seek unity of command and unity of effort. We've all been in situations where we kind of wonder, well, who's in charge here? Have you ever worked in a job like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think everybody has. You know, you're like, who do I listen to? Right. Well, unity of command and effort are great concepts to use when you share email for tasks or you have an assistant that helps you with your okay. emails. For instance, in a family setting, whoever does the bills, in our case, you usually do the bills, right? right? Whoever does the bills should get the emails regarding the bills. So if a bill comes in from the uh, electric company, that should go to you, not me. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So in a work setting, your secretary or your assistant should also have clear guidelines for acting on your behalf or highlighting messages that are for your personal attention. And the four hour work week uh, has great examples for this. And again, we'll, we'll link to Tim's book again in the show notes. Next one we're going to talk about is security. That's the next principle of war. Never permit the enemy to acquire an unexpected advantage. Of course, there's physical security, but the one area that's kind of stressed in military circles a lot too is OPSEC or operational security. In sports, a boxer tries not to telegraph their punches and uh, poker players, you know, they try to keep a poker face to hide their intentions. Right. At the same time, they're looking at their opponents to look to see what their tell is, you know, that, that sign right. that they okay. make that kind mm-hmm. of gives them away. It's kind of fresh in my head from my trip to Vegas, but, <laughs> but the enemy in our case is unnecessary information or digital clutter. That's the enemy we're talking about today. So, of course, be sure to apply all pertinent security methods for your email, like strong passwords, etc. But also think of this as securing your email address from those who might try to exploit it, and you with spam or phishing attempts or, or malware. Yeah, you know, right. and just yesterday I got something, you know, as a matter of fact, I was looking at my spam folder and I noticed something that said it came from PayPal, but then I looked at the email address and they had spelled PayPal wrong and I was like, ah, they're just phishing for info. Absolutely, they're trying yeah. to get my account information and everything. So, uh, immediate trash. Don't even open it. Yeah, good move. Thank you. Good move. And the next one, uh, the next principle is simplicity. Simplicity, yeah, believe it or not, it's a principle of war, right? <laughs> So, no wonder we like it. Yeah, no wonder. So <laughs> the most the most effective military plans are simple. And trust me, not everything in the military is simple. No. But the most effective plans are. And the goal with this principle is to prepare clear, uncomplicated plans and concise orders to ensure thorough understanding. 
Now, there's an old adage called Napoleon's Corporal, and that describes how Napoleon, he used to have a corporal sit in during battle plan briefings to see if he understood the plan. And if the corporal understood, Napoleon figured, well, then the commander should understand. So, (laughs) yeah, good call. And this best applies to your folder or label system. Again, if you're using a product like Gmail, trust your email program search function. It's simple. Simple. Mm -hmm. All right? Like it. So, and then the last one we have is Surprise. Strike the enemy at a time or place in a manner for which he is unprepared. All right. I had to kind of stretch this one out a little bit to make it apply to Gmail or to make it apply to email. But um, wait until you see the surprise on an asker's face when you decline to give your email address to somebody who's trying to collect it, just like uh-huh. you talked about in the stores. At the stores, yeah. Right? Like, oh, okay. I mean, it's precious. Yep. And I don't use the word precious a lot, but seeing the reaction, <laughs> you know, if you're uncomfortable saying no at first, and some people may be, uh, have a decoy email address that you can give out. Ladies, this shouldn't. This should be a pretty much an easy one for you. I I remember huh. getting an awful lot of fake numbers when I was single. <laughs> so, yeah, here you go. Just call eight six seven five three zero nine and ask for Jenny. You know, and uh, oh, great, thanks. You know, uh, look, you're just nice. protecting yourself. You know, no harm, no foul. Uh, you're just protecting yourself, and that's fine. But eventually, it's best to just take a stand and say, "I'm sorry, I don't give that out," that's and good. I'm sure you understand. That's perfect. So, yeah. Put it back on them. I sure you. Yeah. I'm sure you understand. They'll be like, when people oh. tell me it's company policy, and I, I used to say, well, uh, yeah, it's my personal policy. There you, you know, go. This. I, like uh, it. I can't. There's nothing I can do about it. It's my personal policy. <laughs> you know. Yeah, work, that knife cuts both ways, doesn't it? <laughs> like, so that's it. That's a little bit of inbox boot camp for you, so you can oh. liberate your email from the enemy. How's yeah, that? Yeah, and uh, eliminate the occupy inbox. Occupy inbox. Right? Get out. <laughs> Get out. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so before I get into my topic, we have a quick edit and forget it update. Good stuff, man. This thing is going crazy. Yeah, we're getting a lot of folks signing up for it. The the spreadsheets were sent out to everyone who signed up for the challenge at simplelifetogether.com. So if you signed up and haven't received them, just drop us an email. You can email us from the left sidebar, uh, simplelifetogether.com. We sent out a survey uh, about uh, the edit and forget it challenge. If you're taking part, if you wanted to do maybe a uh, a forum online or a private Facebook page to... It's a place to go to kind of document how you're doing. And after we tabulated the results, it looks like we're going to be setting up a private Facebook group for those doing the Edit and Forget It Challenge. And you can share your successes, your struggles. You could post pictures, whatever. Awesome. And only members of the group will be able to see who's in the group and what members post. So I'll send out a message to those who have signed up for the challenge already through SimpleLifeTogether.com, telling them where to go on Facebook and request to join. Now, the weird thing is if the email that you used to sign up for the challenge is different from your Facebook name, I may need to send you a direct email confirming it's you. So like if your email address said uh, shorty579 at Gmail, you know, that's probably not your username on Facebook. So I may just have to send an email. So bear with me on that one. Okay. But this group is for the edit and forget it members only. Right. So people who sign up after 24 January, 2013 will automatically get an invite to the private Facebook page after they sign up. So yeah. And there's certainly no requirement to join this Facebook group. It's just another way to be involved in the challenge and trust us. If Facebook isn't your thing, no worries at all. Absolutely. It's not too late to join the challenge though. So if you're ready to edit 2013 things from your life, sign up on the website. And we have people signing up every day and we'd love to have you join us. So, all right, let's move on. What's your topic, Vanessa? Okay. My topic is how to organize any space. You know, I always say to friends and families and, and, and colleagues that, you know, I wish there were a prerequisite to take an organizing class before graduating from high school. I mean, when I reflect back on my nine years of military training as an Air Force officer or all my undergraduate and graduate coursework, I realized that even with those higher education classes, the ones that actually had the most impact on me were the ones that uh, I took back in high school and junior high. And what I also realized was that those were classes that taught me life skills, skills that I use every day, like basic math, cooking, home economics, aka, you know, cooking, sewing, domestic goddess skills, uh, (laughs) driving and typing, all those things that I learned back then are things I use pretty much every day. Yep. They sure are. So what about organizing though? I mean, the second that you leave the house, you know, when you're 18, or at least most of us leave the house at 18. Yeah, I got luggage for my 18th birthday. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And there's folks that kind of linger around, you know, 25, 30 years old. Anyway. (laughs) Not judging, just saying. Um, But the bottom line is that we're expected to be efficient, productive, and responsible at school, work, and at home, right? Right, exactly. Uh, So 
a key to being successful at all those things is to be physically and mentally organized. Yeah, it's it's just not focused on. Right. And you're just automatically supposed to know these these things. Yeah, and it's have not these like skills. this innate skill that you're born with. Right. You know, and and that's the bad news is that it's not necessarily an innate skill. We do have some organizing tendencies, but the good news is that it's a learned one. And I try to, you know, and I convince my clients of this all the time, you know, that, yeah, you may think that you're disorganized and yeah, you might be at this point, but you know what? We're going to get you to a point where you're going to be a little bit more organized. So it is a learned skill. So, so. you're saying I got a chance. Got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> One in a million? So you're saying I got a chance. <laughs> what is that from? Dumb and Dumber. Ah, you know I don't like that movie. <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> you're saying I have a chance. Jeez. Oh, well... Well, Dan, since I've already talked on the ep- on the uh, podcast here about how clutter affects your life, that was episode, episode 10, 10 yep. uh, the benefits of organizing and having less, that, that was, was episode, episode four, four. Yep. and why we can't let go over clutter, which was an early one. That was episode three. Okay. I thought it might, it, I just thought it might be time to share with you some tips on how to organize any space. I think that'd be great. Now, naturally, I won't have time to go into a lot of detail, but after listening today, if you want more in-depth explanation of the process, you can check out my Organize Any Space series at simplelifetogether.com slash organize anything, and that's one word. I have about six posts there in the series that discuss each step of the process with the finale post where I actually take a kitchen, a specific room, and I use this process and go step-by-step step on how to organize it. Yeah, that's that's like a, a six-part series. It's like, a, it's no kidding, it's a mini course on how to be. <laughs> an organizer really <laughs> well, organize For, a space, any, yeah. any space right. so yeah nothing like a free course huh <laughs> there you go so simplelifetogether.com slash organize anything all one word right yep so today I'm just going to quickly outline the process and how you can organize any space okay are you ready I'm ready let's go let's jump into this okay but first, I've got some things I want to make sure that I kind of express to you first or that I recommend before you start this process if you're new to organizing a space I don't recommend tackling a huge project, start small. Okay. You know? So just to get familiar with the process, I want you to pick a small area like a little junk drawer or maybe a nightstand, maybe one section of your closet. Whatever the project, just pick a small one, okay? okay. And I also want you to mark it on your calendar. We talked about to-do lists, right? And yep. how it's 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 pretty much worthless until you attach a, a calendar date to it in time. Yep. Do the same thing for this project. Say, I am going to tackle my nightstand on Tuesday night at 8 or 9 after the kids are in bed. And you know, just set a time for yourself, okay? Um, it's just going to give you a greater poss- chance of getting it done, right. <laughs> sticking to yep. it, right? I also want you to give yourself adequate time to organize your space. So how long is that? Well, I usually recommend, now, since we're starting small, maybe two hours or three hours max is probably all you're going to need. But just so, just give you a reference though, I usually, when I organize with clients, I have a minimum of three hours because we're usually tackling a room. And just, of course, there's a lot of variables, but usually you end up making more of a mess than organizing. Um, Like we always say, it gets worse before it gets better. (laughs) So for this project, give yourself at least two to three hours, okay? And it may not take that long, but uh, sometimes you'll be surprised at how detailed you can get into the organizing process. So just give yourself some time. Okay, limit interruptions. Um, Try not to answer your phone or voicemails, emails. And if you can have the kids absent during this time, all the better. Because, you know, kids, even though you tell them to respect your time, they just have a tendency just not to be aware of that. And they can be ever so helpful. Oh, they're so sweet, but you know, <laughs> come on. So, okay, so that gets us ready to organize. So let's talk about how to actually organize your space. Okay. And there are several different ways that you can organize. Different professional organizers have their acronyms and their systems, and they're all great. They're all great. But uh, being the uber simple gal that I am, I have just a very simple four-step process with some other steps under each one of those processes, but the four steps basically are N-A-P-O. And ironically, that is the same acronym as NAPO, the National Association of Professional Organizers. <laughs> but NAPO um, process stands for N, determine your needs. A, assess your space. P, purge or pare down your space. And O, organize your space, okay? So so NAPO, okay, needs, assess, purge, and organize, okay? So a lot of folks just want to jump into the purging and organizing bit, but I highly recommend that you don't skip the first two. So the first one is identify your needs. You know, please don't skip this. It, you know, you really need to have a clear understanding of what your needs are. Otherwise, your efforts will pretty much be in vain, you right. know, and people will go, I just don't know why. It's because they really didn't 
think about what their needs are, what the end state needs to be. They just want to say, they just say, oh, this paper's a mess, so I'm going to start tackling the paper. But they have no idea how they want it to look in the end. Right. Do you want it in yep. a filing cabinet? Do you want it this way or what? Sure. So some things, you know, to identify your needs are uh, maybe you are having, you're expecting a child and maybe you need to make space for a new baby or maybe you've retired and need to downsize so you have space to live comfortably or, you know, on, and on a budget. Uh, do you need space for guests or family members that are moving in? Uh, maybe you need a space to exercise or a place to do bills or maybe you just simply need a place to unwind and relax. Whatever right, the case yeah. may be, just identify what your needs are. So, but there's some things that I want you to, to consider while you're determining your needs. You may want to get your family members and other household members involved because they may have different needs than you. Yeah, it always you helps know? to kind of talk it out and decide, you but, know. Yeah, the, what the priorities everybody are. Everybody has a vote and everybody it, feels like they have buy-in. Yeah, we are in a democracy here. <laughs> Sometimes you may not feel like you need to implement that same idea in your household, but it actually, it works out well. Um, so, you know, and the thing is that you may not be able to accommodate everyone's needs, but don't write anybody off. You know, the goal here is to to come to a consensus by identifying everyone's needs, prioritizing them, and then coming to some sort of an agreement, even if that means finding an alternative solution for the needs that didn't make the cut, basically. Right. Yep. Um, and then I want you to envision the space. Part of needs is envisioning a space. I kind of alluded to that earlier. You know, and I have my clients do this all the time, especially when I'm doing a needs assessment. Go figure, a needs assessment. I say, you know, how do you want this space to look? You know, how do you want it to function? What do you want it to feel like when you enter the space? Do you want to feel relaxed or energized, inspired, ready to work, ready to create, ready to have fun? What right. is it? We do this all the time when we say envision your end state. Yes, right? exactly. So think, begin with the end in mind. Yeah, this is so. the same type of exercise, you know, and I, I guarantee if you start with this, you're going to be better able to focus on the organizing process as you go through it and keeping your space the right. way. So now we go out and buy a lot of organizing stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, don't do that yet. Okay. Don't. All right. <laughs> don't do that. That's the last thing you want to do. That's in step four. Okay. okay. Like, so let me just give you a heads up. Don't go buy product yet. You'll get frustrated. <laughs> okay. So step two now. Step two is to assess your space. Now that you know what your needs are, you can assess your space. And to help you do this, I recommend doing the following. First, you want to identify what's working for you. When I'm with my clients, I walk through the space. And I say, okay, so I know you see all you see is a clutter right now, but can you identify anything that's working for you? You know, you may have this trashed mud room and these bags and stuff are everywhere. But the one thing that's working is that little keychain rack. I mean, all your keys are right there. You know exactly where they go, where to find them, and you never lose them. That's working. Yeah, no need to change it if it works, right? Yes. And then the next thing you want to do is identify what's not working for you. Okay, I know that may seem obvious, but really start to think about what's not working in terms of of the systems that you're using that aren't working. Maybe your routines aren't working. You know, is meal prep a pain, you know, at dinner time because your things aren't really conveniently located in your kitchen. So you're going back and forth. That's just an example. Um, Or what about the office? Do you have files just kind of piled everywhere and stacked up and you just can't find things? That's obviously not working. Your your piling system isn't working. So so look at what's not working for you. Okay. Now, the next thing you want to do is evaluate your habits and be sure to di- differentiate natural habits that make sense versus habits that are forced by necessity. Um, you know, eating at the couch because the dining table is too cluttered. That's not by choice. It's out of necessity, right? You can't sit at the table. It's just too cluttered. Yeah, right. So think about, you know, things like where do you dump your mail? Uh, is it in an entryway or at the kitchen table, a countertop or the office? Um, where do your kids dump their shoes and backpacks or, or their dirty clothes? Uh, do you use the front door, the side door, the back door, the entryway to the house? And, and do your kids dump their clothes in the bathroom or in their bedroom? This will give you an idea if you need to change systems or your habits. Um, and maybe, and, and the thing here that I really want you to think about is just your natural tendencies, because sometimes you need to accommodate your natural tendencies and just figure out better systems for them. Maybe you have a laundry basket in their bedroom, but they really, their habit is to shower at right. night and they may be dumping that in the bathroom. That's Maybe like, you should have the hammer in the bathroom. I read a story about a university who put in no sidewalks. They built this big campus. They put in no sidewalks for six months. Oh. And then when the paths were there. I know where you're going with this. That's, where they, that's when they put the sidewalks. That in. is smart. The path of least resistance is what yep. they're going to take. Yep. And that's the same thing with their kids. They're going to yep. dump it in the easiest, most convenient place, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. I also want you to, to uh, determine what's in the space that shouldn't be there. I mean, do you really want those toys and office papers in your master bedroom? A room that should be tranquil and peaceful, right? Right. No, you don't want that in there. So just kind of take note of things that are are ending up in the space that you really don't want to be there. 
And then I also want you to determine what is absolutely essential to you. And then this may seem obvious, but just go through the exercise and just go, okay, I know that I absolutely need a microwave, a coffee maker, a few pots and pans and some utensils and serving ware right, in my but kitchen. But you don't need two coffee makers, 10 spatulas, exactly. three juices. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Now, and the other thing I want you to do is to map out your space. Um, this is where you're going to make take measurements and note the location of things. So you'll want to um, take measurements of your wall lengths, your window sizes, closet space, furniture sizes, and so on. But you're also going to want to take note of major electrical outlets and cable outlets, as well as how doors open into the room, whether it's the main door into the room or closet spaces. You want to kind of note that because right. that you might affect. To, you want to have it like a realistic vision of how you can set up the room. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. And if this will just identify some of the limitations that you have. And then the last thing I want you to do in the assess phase, which is step two, is to to take before pictures. And I'm, you know, you may be embarrassed or you may not even want to remember that, but believe me, you're going to love looking at the before and after pictures. You're going to love it. And we'd love to see those on the Facebook Ooh, yes. group. <clears throat> okay, so that's step one and two. Step three is to purge or pare down, edit whatever you prefer, <laughs> okay? And so this is the hands-on editing phase of organizing your space. It's the part that's it's usually the most difficult and frustrating because you're, you're going through all your stuff. And sometimes it, you get angry, you're confused, you don't know what to do, or sometimes you make too much of a mess. Um, but that's why, again, I want you to just kind of start simple so you can have a realistic idea of time that takes to organize certain spaces, and then you get used to the process. So, so the first thing you want to do is gather your supplies. And I recommend having paper Usually like printer size paper works well for labeling different things. Post-it notes, markers, trash bags to use for your donations, recyclables and other trash items. Four to eight bins for sorting. And those could be plastic bins, laundry baskets, cardboard boxes or bankers boxes. Those all work well when you're sorting. A folding table is nice um, if you're having a hard time finding a flat surface to work on and you need a flat surface to organize some of the smaller things. That's kind of nice to have. And depending on what project you're working on, you may need to have gloves um, for the messier work or particularly in the garage because there's a lot of kind of sharp objects and heavy objects and things like that. Um, and for longer projects, this is just FYI, when you do decide to do longer projects that take longer than three hours, I highly recommend having water so you can stay hydrated and having snacks because we don't want any grumpy pants. That's right. All right. This <laughs> just, is a happy time. Yeah, this might make you grumpy enough. We don't need you to have you know a hungry stomach <laughs> on the job. All right. Now, the next thing you want to do is set up your sorting bins or your bags or piles. Now, you'll want the bags for trash and recyclable items, and the bins are you're going to use, obviously, to sort the different types of categories of things, and I'll explain those in a second. Now, I recommend bins, but sometimes it's just as easy to have a pile as well. So um, whether it's easier to pile or use bins, it's up to you. But you want to label them, and here's how I recommend labeling these different categories. You want to have a category of keep items, things that you're going to trash and recycle. Again, those are going to be in the trash bags. Donate don't know, elsewhere, or return. Okay, so you have keep. Yes. Trash. Mm-hmm. Recycle. Yes. Donate. Mm-hmm. Don't know, elsewhere, or return. Yeah, and the elsewhere or return, that can be like one pile. Okay. That's kind of right, like gotcha. a, it's almost like a to-do, like it just doesn't belong here, we need to do and get rid of it. Okay. <laughs> okay, now I want to make a note on the keep category. This might be broken down into several other categories. Um, and what I want you to do is think of doing it in a general sort. It's what I call a general sort where you just kind of, you have general categories like office supplies, paperwork, kitchen utensils, electronics, toys, et cetera. Okay. Because later on, we're going to do a fine tuning sort, but that's in step four. Yeah. It's, okay? just, it's just easier to kind of keep those things like items separated and then be able to pick from them later. Right. right? And the reason why you do that is when you go to edit them further down is that you're going to see... You know, when you see that you have 10 spatulas in that kitchen item pile, you know, you're going to be like, okay, gotcha. I don't need to get that. It's going to make it easier for you to edit in the long run. All okay. right. So that's yeah. why you want to do sense. that. Okay. Now, once you've got your piles ready, you can start sorting. Okay. So the trash category are obviously things that are broken, soiled, ripped, or beyond repair. Okay. Right? The recycle category is self-explanatory, but just make sure you check with your local recycling center to see what you can re actually recycle. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, donate. Again, self-explanatory, but please do not donate anything that is in poor condition. A good rule of thumb is don't donate anything that you wouldn't give away to your own friends and family. Yeah, that's really kind of trash Okay, if it's like that. Exactly. The don't know items. Now, these are items or things that you're having either a hard time letting go of or that you just, you know, you're having a hard time figuring out what to do with it or you know, whatnot. You're just having a hard time figuring out, or maybe you don't even know if it's yours or not. Maybe it's somebody else's. <laughs> okay. 
just put those in the I don't know pile and then we can figure it out later. Okay, so don't know um, category. These are things that are items that you are having a hard time letting go of and we'll address that later. Just don't spend too much time on these things so you can push through the rest of your purging efforts, okay? So if you don't know, just put it in that pile. We'll figure it out later. The goes elsewhere or return category, they may belong in another room or to someone else or they need to be returned to the store, the library, etc. Okay, so that you have your categories, um, those are set up and you know what those categories are for, you, you, know, you can get your piles ready and you can start sorting, all right? So pull everything out of your space one item at a time and decide which bin to put it in. So like I said, you have everything set up and now we're actually going to start pulling things out of whatever space that you want to organize. And what I recommend is starting with flat surfaces first to kind of free up your, your tables and counter space so you can work off of that and then start to tackle your cabinets and drawers. And then another thing that you can do is try to move from one side of the room to the other. Uh, if you're a little bit more systematic, then you can actually see and evaluate your process and your progress as opposed to if you go from one counter to the next or one drawer up here and one over here. Just try to be systematic, top to bottom, left to Right. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. Now, once you finish sorting, look at that don't know items pile, okay? And then ask yourself the following questions. Do I love it? Do I need it? Do I use it? And if you say yes to those, by all means, keep it. If you're having further trouble, you know, if you still don't know if you want to keep it or not, just ask these questions. When was the last time I used it? Does it make my life better? Can I borrow or rent it? Is it out of date or out of style? Am I keeping it out of a sense of obligation or guilt? And what's the worst that can happen if I get rid of it? Okay. And you cover a lot of that in episode three. Yes. Right? Okay. So those questions will probably help you out to make a decision. Now, once you've sorted your space, you got everything sorted into those different categories, make sure that you remove all your bins and bags from the area immediately. At least all the, the donate, the trash, the recycle items, and the goes elsewhere. Okay. Get those out of there. The stuff that that you are keeping, go ahead and keep it in the space. That okay? gives you room to work, right? It gives you room to work and it doesn't give you a chance to have second thoughts. <laughs> Good. Get okay. it out of there, okay? So that was step three, to purge your space. Now on to step four, the fun part, organize. Now this is where you really start to make that vision a reality. Okay, now the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna look at that keep pile and you're gonna sort like items together. Now I know you did the general sort, but now we're gonna do a little bit more of what I call a fine tuning. For example, your kitchen pile can now be broken down into glasses, Bakeware, pots and pans, utensils, dinnerware, food, and bowls. Got it. Um, another example is when you're sorting clothes, you can sort them by color, um, you know, white, blue, green, brown, gray, red, etc. Or type, shirts, pants, skirts, suits, or length, skirts, shirts, and pants, um, and size, like, for example, baby clothes, 0 to 18 months, etc. Um, you can also organize your clothes by function, you know, either work, casual, cold weather, warm weather clothing, and so on. Okay. All righty. All right. So you've already sorted your like items together. Now start thinking about zones and start placing your items accordingly. You know, I talk about zones a lot when I'm organized with my clients. Um, and that's like, for example, the kitchen is an easy example for me because there's a lot of different zones going on there. You can create a cooking zone where you'll want to have all your cooking utensils and pots and pans near the stove. Or maybe you have a baking zone where you have all your baking dishes, your baking utensils, and maybe even your baking ingredients all kind of in one area. And then maybe like a serving zone where you have your your dinner plates, the bowls, um, maybe even your glasses kind of nearby and your your silverware. So try to create zones because it'll just make it a lot more efficient when you're trying to do those different functions to have everything kind of within easy access. That makes perfect sense too. Okay. Now, another thing that you want to do is place frequently used items within arm's reach. We call the arm's reach rule. Okay. So it's, it's, it's that prime real estate. The things that you use all the time on a daily basis, make those easy to get to at, you know, eye level with our arm's reach, okay? Now, contrary to that is the stuff that isn't used as often, you, you know, the seldom used things, put those up high or down low, way in the the back, you know, let's not take up that prime real estate. But when you do this, I want you to think about safety for you and, you know, the kids. (laughs) Be careful about delicates, cleaning supplies, medications, and and heavy items. You know, you want to be very strategic about where you put those things. And then the other thing I want you to think about when you're getting ready to organize and put your stuff away, don't forget about vertical space. A lot of times we overlook the use of of vertical storage. You know, I don't know about you, but I've noticed most homes have a lot of wasted space. But you can use over-the-door wire racks to store spices and other supplies, over-the-door shoe organizers, which is one of my favorite products, uh, magnetic spice jars, knife holders, and even file sorters that can stick to, you know, a, a metal filing cabinet. And, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of things that can you can use to max out vertical space. Yeah, absolutely. 
So just so just start thinking about that. Just start thinking about where you can use um, some of the vertical space in your your area. And even because you know there's vertical space, but don't forget about under the bed too. That's a different area. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a horizontal space, but sometimes you can store stuff. That's like, where we store our off-season clothes. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a good place to store you know extra things. So another thing, one of my favorite tips when you're in the organizing step is to use containers and containers within containers. I always recommend shopping from your own home and using what you have first. Of course, there are thousands, no, probably millions of different organizing products out there, but try shopping from home first. I highlighted some of products in my organizing series that I mentioned earlier, um, but you know, you can research, you know, all different types of things. But before you do that, I, you know, before you go out and buy products, I highly recommend that you just make sure that you take adequate measurements of your space, of the wall space, the shelving space, the height, width, depth, and all that stuff. Okay. Right. So that's like, um, so when you say containers within a container, that's like, uh, if you have a big basket, then maybe you have uh, smaller, smaller, smaller baskets inside. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. or even a drawer. A drawer is considered a container, but right. you can put other dividers and other small bins in there. So containers within containers. Okay, that just okay. helps keep. And those containers are for your like items. Okay, well, let's just not have one container that has pencils, markers, paper clips, everything in it. No, you want those all divided out. Okay. okay. Yeah. Now, once you've got everything in its proper home. Now you should be able to label everything you can, all right? <laughs> so this is the last step in the organizing phase of, of organizing any space. I highly recommend getting yourself a good label maker like the Brother P-Touch. And again, we'll probably highlight that, um, put a link in the show notes for, for that. Because a good label maker makes such a difference. You can label shelves, containers, you know, the Lazy Susans, drawers, wires. Dan and I label all of our electronics. I mean, it's just an awesome way to just kind of know what goes to what, what goes where, so you can find it and most importantly, return it. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so the final step in the organizing phase here is to establish rules and routines. Things like practicing the one-in, one-out rule, establishing homes for everything, developing routines, which I talked about in episode two, and so on. You know, and I discussed this in more detail in the series. So again, this is just a rough overview of how to organize a space. But just know an organized space is only as good as the system you use to maintain it. So I'm sure I'll have a future podcast dedicated to maintenance alone. Because right. it's to me, it's you know, it's just such a big deal on and how to maintain your system. Yeah, so, so stay tuned so on stay that tuned one. That huh? one yeah. Okay. Once again, that's um, they're going to go to simplelifetogether.com slash organize anything, all one word, right? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. And the steps are: determine your needs, assess your space, purge your space, then organize it, and repeat. It's a cycle. Well, that's great. Sounds good. Okay, so let's move on to the thing segment. All right, Dan, my thing. thing. Well, if you listen to episode one or you looked around the site, you know that we focus our lives on our five pillars, and those are faith, family, finances, fitness, and future. Well, I feel like I've been letting one of those slide a bit too much lately, and uh, we were all health in with fitness, and lately with the holidays and my Vegas trip and too much sitting at a desk and the weather and you know, just insert incredibly lame excuse here. I, I think I've been a little bit too lax lately and my body is sending me signals to make some changes. And so now that I'm up, you know, a few years into my thirties and, uh, well, about 17 years into my thirties, <laughs> like but uh, s- sometimes the signals are kind of easy to ignore until it's too late. So kind of back to my sender message receiver feedback topic from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think it was episode nine. My body is like the sender and my symptoms are the message. And I think I finally received the message and ready for me to give some feedback. <laughs> so I feel good. like the podcast maybe could be a bit of an accountability partner for me. And well, so, so what are you going to do? Uh, I think I'm going to be doing more juicing and some more walking. And as the weather gets a bit warmer, I know, don't laugh, we're in central Texas, but you know, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, but all that Buffalo blood is kind of thinned out by now. But so as it gets warmer, I'm going to be doing more biking. That's awesome. So that's my thing. Cool. Cool. I'm glad. Actually, I'm going to make a juice after this so you can have a juice with me. I'm all for it. All right. Okay. So my thing is um, this week I was inspired by one of my clients and she inspired me to never stop learning. She's 68 years old and in the past three to four years, she has completed her bachelor's in nursing as well as her master's degree and is now working on her PhD. It's crazy. And she's 68. And wow. she's 68. It's amazing. She's sharp as a whip, and, and she's actually pretty computer savvy. She's been sending me all kinds of cool links to things, and I'm like, man, this lady's all over it. <laughs> so anyhow, she inspired me to pursue some courses that I've been wanting to take on my own. So I'm actually now enrolled in an online school to uh, to get certified in interior decorating. Ah, so you can help your clients out a little bit more. Yeah, huh? it's just another little tool in my toolkit. So for the business, and it's just something I've always been interested in. And then it also inspired me to 
probably go ahead and do get my certification as a CPO, which is a certified professional organizer. And so I've, uh, I'm almost there with all the requirements and I'll be taking an exam at the end of the, the year and hopefully everything goes well. So anyway, just my client proves that you continue to learn no matter what your age. And that's my thing. So that's it for episode 12 of Simple Life Together. Today, Dan talked about taking control of your email and I shared some tips on how to organize any space. And my thing was focusing a little bit more on our fitness pillar to improve my health. And Vanessa's thing was being inspired to continue learning and growing by one of her clients who's 68 years old and working on her PhD. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, And we've been getting flooded with great feedback. And here's just a little sample. Now, this one is long overdue. Um, Thanks to Chef Tony from DinnerMadeSimple.com. Tony wrote, just what I was looking for, a little direction on how to live life more simply. Love Dan and Vanessa's taken all this. From technology to finances to organizing, they've got it all covered, and I can't wait for more episodes. Wow, so that's yeah, that awesome. That's really great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chef Tony. Uh, we actually checked her, her website, and let me tell you, it's mouth-watering pictures yeah, we, in there. we may have to make a special trip to Austin to meet her. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Emily from thecrunchycoach.com wrote, Every once in a while, I run into a new podcast that I wish was an old one so I could keep on listening Aww. to archived episodes uh, every day for the next couple of months. Yours <laughs> is one. Hurry up and get the next one out. That's funny. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it turns out Emily started the Edit and Forget It Challenge before we even started. Since last year, she's gotten rid of over 40 boxes and bags of items to a local charity and sold 10 boxes of books to half-price books. That's awesome. That's crazy. So by the end of this year, she'll have sold or given away 15 or 20 boxes of bags, more stuff, as she prepares to move into a smaller home. So that's great. And Emily certainly deserves a gold star for sure. I think we should give her two gold stars. Thank you, Emily. (laughs) All right. And I was listening to the Mommy's Cocktail Hour podcast just a couple days ago, and lo and behold, they mentioned Simple Life Together as one of their fabulous finds for the week. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks to all the ladies over there at mommyscocktailhour.com. That's a great show. It's fun. Yep. Yeah, it's mommyscocktailhour.com. fun. Yeah, but they, I guess they have a, a cocktail of the the day or that we, yeah, of the for podcast. Each episode, yeah, for yep. each episode. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, Nick from SPNT.TV left a terrific comment on iTunes for us. Uh, Nick is looking to simplify his life this year, too, and started listening to us on episode one, and he's well on his way. So thanks, Nick, and we're certainly glad to be able to help you out along the way. It sounds like 2013 is a year of simplifying. We hope this year is a great year for simplifying your life. If you haven't started yet or have just been thinking about it, now is a great time to start. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, the best thing to do is subscribe to the show. You can find us in iTunes, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast directories. Or you can go to simplelifetogether.com slash RSS and subscribe there as well. And I know you're busy, but if you like what you hear on the show, and if you get a chance, we'd really appreciate it if you could take two to three minutes and leave a review in iTunes. It really does wonders to help others find the show, and thank you very much. And remember, you can find all the show notes at simplelifetogether.com. Connect with us on Twitter. I'm at Get Simplified, and Dan is at Daniel Hayes. We have links to our Twitter and Google Plus profiles on the website. As always, we love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment below the show notes or a voicemail on the site. Feel free to plug your show or your site, and we'll talk about it on a future episode. Or just send an email. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. So until next time, we hope you enjoy your Simple Life Together. Simple Life Together.